Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and everyone else in between. Honestly, for a second, I thought you were going to say hello, ladies and gentlefish. Do, know, do not know why, but that was my brain. I thought you. I that. thought that you thought I was going to go into a bit of HT Hazen. No, no, no. Ladies and gentle bitches. bitches. Shout out to Troy HT Hazen on YouTube. Um, hello. Hello. I'm Simon. I'm Lee. That's Jennifer. That is Jennifer. Is There's that? not actually anyone here called Jennifer, just FYI. Why? It's me, Kermit. Um, it's, it's August, and it's time for an August crossing the stream. Yes. I'm not very excited about this. Oh, I, I I feel like the fish are going to come up again. I feel like the movie that we're going to cover today catfished me with its marketing campaign. I don't even remember what the marketing was like for this movie. Should we just get into it and then <coughs> then you can talk about it? Okay? Yeah? Yeah, sorry. Okay. So we're doing Summer of 84, released in the year of our Lord, 2018. Hang on. Please hold, everybody, while I just undo my husband's can. That is not a euphemism. Thanks, babe. Jesus fucking Christ. Oh no, the Aussie Lemonade was trapped. <sighs> right, um, written by Matt Leslie and Stephen J. Smith and directed by, right, Francois Samard, Anouk Whistle and Johan Carl Whistle, who are known as... RKSS, Roadkill Superstars. There we go. Uh, casting words in this film, we have... Wait, are the two of them related? The two with the same surname, are they related? Are they like siblings or a couple? Or... Freaking no. Just wondered, because you said the two of them... Anouk and Johan Karl. You said two of them had... The same surname, they're both mm. Whistle, yes. Is it Whistle or is it Weisel? I don't fucking it's the know. Duke she of... hit... They are siblings. The Duke of Whistleton. There we go. I now have to wait for the, the this to load to take me back to where I was. Thanks for that, babe. Ella... I'm out there asking the important questions, man. If people don't be asking the important questions... I don't think anyone really needed to know. Okay, cast-wise, uh, Graham Vacher plays Davy Armstrong. Right. Judah Lewis plays Tommy Eats Eaton. <laughs> I love that. Eats. Excuse me. Uh, Caleb Emery plays Dale Woody Woodsworth. <laughs> Corey Grutter-Andrew plays Curtis Faraday. Is he, is he the one that's collecting his fucking pension? No, that's Caleb Emery. <laughs> uh, Tierra Scovby plays Nikki Kazuba. Rich Sommer plays Wayne McKay. Jason, Jason Gray Stanford plays Randall Armstrong. Shauna Johansson plays Sheila Armstrong. And then William McDonald plays Sheriff Caldwell. Yeah. And then everyone else, they've got Aaron um, Bushholtz as Kyle and Susie Castillo as Brenda Woodsworth. Woodworth? Mm -hmm. Have you got the budget information for this one? I do not. I can tell you how much it made, but I cannot tell you how much it cost. It was made for $10. So, gross worldwide, <coughs> it made $42,027. Not pounds. Uh, yeah, I don't think I actually have the amount it cost... No, I can't. I cannot tell you for for once how much this film actually cost to make. Apologies, guys. That's 
distressing. It is. Plotline-wise, after suspecting that their police officer neighbour is a serial killer, a group of teenage friends spend their summer spying on him and gathering evidence. But as they get closer to discovering the truth, things get dangerous. Like Darkwing Duck. Yes. Let's get dangerous. Sure. Um, I have an important question for you up yes. top. What is it with teams of directors... Naming themselves stupid things beginning with R. I have no idea. Radio silence. Racker, racker. Roadkill superstars. Are y'all okay? Are y'all okay? You're doing all right, guys. These guys didn't start on YouTube as well, did they? I have no idea. Um, I know... I could not tell you. Because obviously we discussed radio silence because Matt, Chad and Rob all started on YouTube. And then they went and did like the VHS movie and that was how they got famous. Racker Racker, which is Daniel and Michael Filippo, I've learnt the other dude's name now, have just done Talk To Me, which has just been greenlit for a sequel. And obviously their YouTube handle was Racker Racker when they were doing YouTube videos. These guys, I know that these guys submitted a, excuse me, a short film for the letter T for the ABCs of death. Turbo. T is for Turbo. They came third place in that, but then obviously that was included on the home video, and then they span it off into the movie Turbo, or Turbo, Turbo Kid, Turbo Kid. Turbo Kid, which came out in 2015, Turbo Child, which everybody tells me is amazing. A lot of people I know have seen it, um, but I don't really know much about them outside of the fact that they did Turbo Kid, and then they did this. Turbo Kid I haven't seen. Yeah, they've got another film coming out as well. Mm-hmm. So I wondered... Because I said this to you earlier, it seems like a lot recently, like in the last maybe 10 years, I mean, I know Radio Silence has been around longer than that, but it seems, especially in the last 10 years, a lot of people who were doing YouTube videos are now like filmmakers and are like doing like big films. And like, I mean, fucking Radio Silence did two entries in arguably one of the biggest horror franchises of all time. Like... You know, it just seems it seems wild to me that these people are like appearing from YouTube. Does that mean we can look forward to a Smosh Bros movie soon? Yeah. Smosh Bros. I don't know what Smosh Bros is. It was anything that like pops into my Smosh. Smosh. I thought, why did I think it was called Smosh Bros? I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking because of Smash Bros, which is the Nintendo thing. Um. Yeah, this movie, man. Be a Dan and Phil film. This fucking movie. It is a film. So first things first, I do want to talk about this. Is that this film everywhere is credited as being a horror thriller, or I think a teen horror? Yeah, mm-hmm. a teen horror. Would you call this a horror film? No. So. We discussed this because there's one there's one really big gripe that I have with comparisons to this movie, and I'm going to talk about it in a second. I this movie feels like a lost Amblin movie, and I said that to you when we started watching it. It feels like if this movie came out in the time period when it was actually set, so if it actually came out in the summer of '84, the poster for this movie would have Steven Spielberg presents above it. Like Goonies did, like Gremlins did, like Back to the Future did, like all of those movies that Spielberg didn't direct, but he had his finger in the pies of. Yeah. Poltergeist is another one which we talked about a couple of weeks ago. And it feels very much like that 
it wants to it wants to emulate those movies and it wants to give you the feel of those movies and like there were certain movies that i like was thinking about when i was watching this movie monster squad was one of them yeah rear window was another one yeah um and then like obviously like the kind of Goonies, Stand By Me, sort yeah, of those types of films. Yeah, I was going to say, like, Goonies, Stand By Me, the, the, the best friends on yeah, their bikes the doing be- something dumb. However, I read an interview, and I think it was with the lady who Luke. is... Yeah, who is a member of the crew. And she was saying that they took out a reference to Dungeons & Dragons because they were in production on this movie before Stranger Things became massive. Yes, uh, but they were worried about comparisons to Stranger Things. Because, yeah, I can see why. But this is the thing that I was going to say that annoys me about the comparisons to Stranger Things, is there is an entire generation of people, like, of a certain age and of a certain social media, like, oh my god, everything that we've learned about the world comes from a TikTok trend type of people that are like, oh my god, Stranger Things is so original, Stranger Things is so great. Anything with a synthwave score and some kids on bikes is obviously ripping off Stranger Things because they don't have the context of knowing everything that Stranger Things ripped yeah. off. So it annoys me that because it annoys me that we're at a point now where pe- people don't realize there's such a disconnect between the 80s generation and this generation that people automatically think that something similar to Stranger Things ripped off that rather than Stranger Things ripping off the things that it ripped off beforehand. Oh yeah, Stranger Things. Stranger Things. I'm not going to say rips off, but takes a lot of uh, influence from 80s films. We should we should start a new trend. It's called the Duffer Brothers have an original thought trend <laughs> and see how well they do. Um, but that's what kind of annoys me. And I was <laughs> like, the Duffer Brothers actually kill off a main character trend. Oh, I mean, this movie was nearly in danger of Duffer Brother and its cast. It was. Um, but we'll get to that. But that's kind of what annoyed me was like, it's not, I don't think it's anything like Stranger Things. Like, yeah, it has some kids on some bikes in the 80s and it has a synth score, but there's, like, a million other fucking films that actually do that, that Stranger Things... And the thing is, that always kind of gets me with the synth score thing of everyone being like, oh, it's, like, such a Stranger Things thing. It's not. Mm. If you want to look at, like, kind of who really put the synth score in the forefront of everyone's minds... John Carpenter. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And that's why a lot of these films and shows have that score, is because a a lot of it is a nod to... The John Carpenter reveal. I like Vangelis, because obviously Vangelis did the score for Blade Runner, which is an incredible score. But there's uh, a lot of films from that yeah. time period that have synth scores. It was yeah. very, very common in the 80s. There's a great moment in this, actually, that's a reference directly to um, Karate Kid, mm-hmm. which is when they're all on their bikes. Mm-hmm. The first time you see them all on their bikes, and fucking what's playing? Cruel Summer. Cruel Summer, which is basically a scene directly ripped from Karate Kid. Yeah, the Cruel Summer... Needle dropping karate kid is when they're all playing football, but mm, no, it's not. So they're all riding bikes, babe. It's it's during the scene. You, you carry on. It's during it's chat. during the scene where Daniel is playing football with the team, and like Johnny Lawrence takes him down, and I can't remember what her name is. The girl is there, and um, it's playing during that. Cruel Summer by Banana Rama plays while the the children are riding their BMXs. Exact same positioning in the Karate Kid. When Daniel LaRusso is riding his BMX to the same track. A cool nod considering the film was released in the summer of 84. That's wrong, whoever wrote that on Wikipedia. As someone who has seen Karate Kid a million times, I can categorically tell you now that is incorrect. But anyway, we're not here to discuss Karate Kid. We're here to discuss this film. Because whoever put that on the IMDb page of Wikipedia is wrong, I can tell you that. But that's neither here nor there. 
Um, so what did you what did you think of this movie? Because I think it was you that wanted to watch this movie, or you were a bit more like wanting I to did watch it want than what to I was. See it. I was very much like I don't even remember why. Like it definitely popped up on somebody's Instagram. I have a feeling it was Matthew Gray Goobler because it seemed like the kind of film that he would be like, "This is a really good film. You should watch it." Um, but yeah, so I kind of I was aware of it, and I was like, "Oh, it's a horror film. I'm probably not going to watch it because back in 2018, I was not watching horror movies." <laughs> It was as a horror a film, as I recall. It, it was, was a horror, horror film. film. Um, <coughs> so I put it off and put it off and put it off. And then when we started doing the podcast, one of the first films I mentioned I wanted to cover was this. This has been on our list literally since before we actually started recording. Yeah, so we've been doing the podcast for just under three years now. Yeah. It'll be three years and in this December. Was, so when we started putting together during lockdown, before we even started doing the podcast, when we started putting down the list of horror films that I would probably quite like to see that we could kind of start easing me into watching horror movies before the podcast was even a thing a thing this was on the list because I'd kind of seen it and went oh I would quite like to watch that but then I went oh it's a horror film I don't think I'm going to I think also the fact that there was a lot of people comparing it to Stranger Things and you were like balls deep into Stranger Things at the time as well I was I mean I, I, I still am let's be honest I still do love Stranger Things is what I should I will complain about the duffel bags mm. Um, so yeah, I was really excited to watch it. And then after watching it, my brain was like, well, is it really a horror movie? I could have watched this when it came out and been fine. Yeah. It's just like an extended fucking episode of Criminal Mind CSI NCIS Special Victims Unit. Really. <laughs> Let's be honest. Which one's, which one's the one where Taylor Swift's cat is one of the detectives? The Special Victims Unit. That's, okay. that's the one that's got iced tea in it, right? Yes. My homie. Shout out to Big Ice. Um, SVU. Yeah. And it's got the guy who's in Wet Hot American Summer as well, the guy who turns into the can, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I, I love that show. That show's mental. I don't know. But I'm going to go with yes. He's the big, tall guy, the big, bald guy with wide shoulders. Maybe. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't watch Law and Order and I haven't seen Wet Hot American Summer, so you're kind of referencing two things that we, I haven't seen. We definitely seen. watched the first season of Wet Hot American Summer, but we you watched it when we first got together. watched it. I sat in the same room as you and played on my phone, I think. No, this is when we first got together, so maybe. Uh, maybe. Um... It's nice to know some things haven't changed. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so like, I was a bit like, oh, I could have, I could have definitely just watched this when it came out. But I, I didn't hate this film. I know you have wildly different feelings. I remember the marketing. Like, I remember this being one of those films that like it hit up a bunch of fucking like festivals. Yeah, because the post, the original poster for it is the milk carton with blood splattered up the side. Yeah, so it's the it? milk carton with the kid's face on it, and I think I think the kid on the poster is Judah Lewis. I thought it was the kid. I thought it was Danny. It might be. It might be Davy. Davy, there we go. But I, for some reason, thought it was Judah Lewis. Um, uh, yeah, it's got the blood splat on it, and it just says "Summer of '84" on it. But there's also like another poster, it's like the neighbourhood on it, I think, or like a kid's bike, maybe. Um, I'm gonna go have a look. So I'm trying to remember what the posters looks like. I remember. I remember when it came out, everybody was like losing their minds over it, like they do. Like, every year there's, like... Yeah, it's Davey. Yeah. Like, every year there's, like, some indie film that comes out that hits up a bunch of festivals, and everybody goes, like, apeshit for it. And then, obviously, like, Shudder acquired the rights to it. Shudder with an umlaut. Uh, acqu- <laughs> acquired the rights to it. So everybody was like, oh, man, it's yeah, going to be on Shudder. It's going to be, like... 
That, do you know what that poster reminds you of that one you just showed me? If you take the lettering off, it looks like the poster to the people under the stairs. A little bit. For anyone who cannot see, it is a poster of two houses with the kids in the front and a skull behind the houses. But it's like the moon as a skull. If you search somewhere of 84 poster, it's like the first image that pops up. Second image that pops up. Mm. So... Yeah like fifth but it's fine yeah i remember i remember it being like really buzzy when it came out and then for some reason just not being that interested in seeing it Mm. um like 2018 was a good year for horror like halloween came out quiet place came out like hereditary came out like i had other shit to watch and this is this is like wasn't on my radar that's fair and like it's been one of those ones it's like it's been on netflix and then come off netflix it's been on shudder and then come off shudder and then been back on shudder and obviously we have been talking about wanting to watch it for a while. And this movie is essentially like the movie. The movie is the movie without being the movie. Mm. So the movie is the synopsis, but then with all of the interesting parts taken out. Yeah. So they go, oh, yeah, man, it is the kids on the bikes and they're in a neighborhood and there is a guy who's a serial killer. And, like, it has that kind of, like, rear window sort of thing. Like, because you've never seen Rear Window, have you? I have a very long time ago. Uh, have you seen Disturbia as well? No. The Shia LaBeouf one? No. Sen- I've seen Rear Window, but it was like, yeah. I watched it in film studies, so. So, like, Disturbia is kind of the same premise. Mm. Um, but it's, like, Shia LaBeouf instead. And um, so my, my main argument with this film, it, my main two problems with this film is that they never commit to either of the two things. And the central mystery of the film is really uninteresting because nothing ever happens. Mm. So they want to make this like... So first and foremost, they make the kids wildly unlikable. Not a single one of these fucking kids is likable. Fucking, I liked I liked Eats. Yeah, sure. It's just Judah Lewis doing like... I, the thing is though is I know you're not too fussed in, but I fucking love Judah Lewis. I think Judah Lewis is a really good actor. I... I love him in The Babysitter and I really enjoyed him in this. But he's such a little shit in this film. Yeah. I was like, oh, he's my favourite. I love him. He he reminds me of like a bunch of kids from like 80s movies. Like he kind of reminds me a little bit of like Henry Bowers. And he reminds me of like some of the kids from Stand By Me. Um, Henry Bowers from It, if you don't know what I'm talking about. But um, yeah, like he's just kind of like a shithead little kid. He's like probably got a really bad home life. So yeah, he's, he like, he's like, oh, I'm really fucking tough. And I've probably got a switchblade in my pocket, but I don't really know how to use it. Kind of like one of those little, like, edgy kids. Yeah, well, because he does. It's, like, literally one of the main things we know about. So, he's Kyle's his older brother. Kyle's a prick and all. Kyle's also a prick. And then there's a scene about halfway through where he comes out of the house crying and you can hear his parents screaming as he's, like, leaving the house. And then uh, Faraday says to him... Because he says, oh, can I stay at yours tonight? And Faraday goes, oh, is it your parents again? He's like, mm. oh, I don't want to come home to a... Uh, I think because I don't want to come home to a murder-suicide at this point. Jesus. Yeah, so they never really commit to, like, the friends hanging out, doing stuff. Like, you never you, you never really see them, other than them playing, like, a couple of games of Manhunt. You never really see what their friendship is. They're just, like, they just, like, take the piss out of each other. And then, like, they don't support each other either, which is really fucking hilarious. Like... This guy's like, hey, man, this guy's a serial killer. He's killing kids. Maybe we should support each other. And others are like, nah, man, you're on your own, kid. They, like, give him the Taylor Swift treatment. Um, uh, I don't I don't agree with that. There's at least two points in this. One of them literally says, you are on your own. Yeah, him. like, once he thinks that is full of bullshit. Yeah, but even before that, they try to, like... They try to stop him from doing it. Because yeah. like, they're all... Basically, the rest of the kids kind of start doing it because Davey is adamant that... What's his name? 
Mac and chips, mac and cheese, Mackie. Mackie is the serial killer. Like, from the very beginning, like, Davey is like, he is definitely the killer. And the guys, kind of, the rest of the guys are like, okay, well, if you say so, yeah, like, we'll help you rummage through his bins, we'll check his mail, like, we'll go and spy on him and stuff. Yeah. And then the longer it goes on and they're not finding anything, they all start going, like, do you think you're taking this too far? Like, we haven't found mm. anything. They get, like, he gets them to help him dig up his garden at one point, break mm. into his shed. And then once they kind of get caught and, like, they have to confront Mackie with the evidence that they've collected that he's the serial killer, that's when the rest of them kind of go, this has gone too far now. Mm. Like, he even told you, like, you didn't see what you thought you saw. It was his nephew. Like, just, you're dragging this out far too long. And then they give him one last go. And that's when Faraday's like, all the soil we kept seeing him buy was for this a beautification project that the police department were doing at the park like i'm out you're on your own this has got stupid now just get out of there (coughs) which to be fair i can't blame any of his (coughs) friends for because i'm like at that point you do kind of get a bit like okay well you're obviously just obsessing over nothing because there's nothing else going on like you need to drop it and like the other half of the story they never commit to it's like the serial killer side of things. You never once see this fucking dude do anything. Like, you never... But I think that's kind of the point, because you're kind of on the same <coughs> level of the kids of, like, is he actually the serial killer? Like, that's the whole point. It's mm. you're supposed to be no, in there with what, the children. But, like, what I'm, not, I'm not talking about him specifically, but, like, you never see, like, any serial killings. There's meant to be an active serial killer on this loose in this fucking white picket fence neighbourhood. Yet you never actually see, like, any kids well, get stalked. Well, you see, you see him kidnap the last kid he takes. Yeah, but, like, that's... And like... it opens with one of the kids he's about to kill in his house. Yeah, but what I'm saying is, outside of that, like, they obviously do that to arouse a suspicion and set up the story. But there's, like, long stretches of this movie where you don't see, like, anything happen. Like, you would have thought, if they're trying to, like, look up for a serial killer, like, you would have, you would have, like, me personally, if I was trying to, like, create a mystery in this film, you would have one of the kids, like, go out into the woods and find a kid's body, and then he turns up with the rest of the police and is investigating the crime scene. They're like, oh, we found another one. So you would have something that kind of shows him doing his job and investigating the serial killer and... The thing is, though, is they haven't found any of the bodies, ever. Yeah, but... That's, like, a whole plot point, because he's destroying the corpses. Yeah, I get that. I understand that. But I'm just saying that the the mystery of this film is very one-sided. There is nothing as an audience member, unless you've seen a ton of these movies and you already fucking know that he's the killer. Like, there's nothing that makes you go, oh, well, it could be somebody else. It could be, like, we want to see him, like, actually actively investigating the crime to throw us off the scent. It's just this very much, this this kid has a bone, this kid has a gripe, but they never do anything in the film to throw you off to to the other side. I think part of the issue with that is that the whole film is kind of told from the kids' points of view. Mm. Like, you don't really... Like, bar the one scene where you see the killer take a kid, nothing else is ever happening without the kids being there. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't see him killing anybody because the kids don't witness any of that. Like, that's the whole point. Is you're watching the film as if you're one of the kids investigating it. Yeah, I get that. But and are... I think adding in all of that stuff kind of takes away from the premise of you being part of that group investigating the crime. 
Yeah, I get what you're saying, but you would think the amount of times that people say in this movie, oh, he's wrong, oh, he hasn't done anything, like, blah, 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 they would show a scene of, like, oh, okay, maybe the kid is wrong. Like, his dad obviously doesn't think he's right. Like, the girl obviously doesn't think he's right. Like, his friends at two points in this movie don't think he's right. They think he's cleared at the end when they all fucking mug him off and tell him that he's been, like, doing stuff with the police. So you would think that they would at least show another scene in this movie to make you think, okay... Maybe the kid has got it wrong. Maybe this kid is a little dickhead who just doesn't know what he's talking about. And maybe there is this other killer. Maybe there is like to to even even if even if for no other reason than to create an alibi for this guy who is mm-hmm. a police officer. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I I completely disagree with you personally. Because <laughs> I think there's enough there when you're watching it. Like, you're always supposed to think, okay, Mackie is probably the killer. Yeah. Like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then I don't think you're ever supposed to really question that. You're supposed to be on board from the beginning of like, yeah. okay, so Mackie's the killer. And then when they catch the killer, you're supposed to go, okay, wait, hang on. Have we been wrong this whole time? Mm. Like, is he wrong? Like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, I don't think you're ever supposed to suspect somebody else. I think you're always su- supposed to suspect him because that, like, you're... The way this film is shot, it is set up as if you are one of the kids in that group. Yeah, I get I get it. So you're never really supposed to question that. You're supposed to go, okay, right, so Mackie is prime suspect. Like, it's probably him. Like, enough weird shit's kind of going on... That, like, it seems feasible that he is the killer. And then you're not supposed to question it until it's like, oh, they've got the killer. And then you're like, oh, wait, hang on. Were they wrong this whole time? Mm. Like, was he not the killer? Like, what? And then, obviously, at the end, when you find out he's, he is, you kind of go, oh, no, he was right. Like, he, he was the killer. Like, of course he <coughs> was. It's been obvious from the beginning. Like, I don't think you're ever supposed to suspect anybody else. Yeah, maybe. I just think that's incredibly lazy. I just think that they they just weren't interested in, like... Like, it's like... I think if they were, like, seriously interested in telling, like, an actual serial killer story, Mm. it would be a very lazy... Really, really lazy plot. Mm. I'll agree with that. But I don't think the interest in this is ever actually about the fact that there's a serial killer. Yeah. The interest in this film is kind of the friendship between the kids and also... The kind of things kids' brains come up with. Yeah. Because, like, everybody has, like, at some point in their life been like, oh, no, like, you can't go to that house because that house has the witch in it. Mm-hmm. She's just a little old lady. Like, well, she's like, never like done Go- anything. It's like Goosebumps, isn't it? It's like the Goosebumps yeah. movie. Like, so I think the main focus of this film is always, like, on the kids and, like, the kind of shit a kid's brain will come up with. Mm-hmm. Like, you hear there's a serial killer... In the village, like in the province as well, it's not even like that specific coffee yeah. sack. It's like in the province of like Illinois, Idaho, Oregon, Oregon. Oh fucking no! Some ass end of nowhere, America. So like, it kind of plays out as if like, because I remember being like a kid, and I always remember once. <coughs> so I went out with my friends. Not on bikes, because we weren't those kind of kids, but we'd gone to go fuck about in the woods. And we got separated because there were some older boys being dickheads. Blair Witch Project? 
and we were convinced because we'd all ran and my friend Stace ran the opposite direction to the rest of us and we heard her scream. We were convinced Stace had got killed in the woods. We t stumbled out onto the golf course. The police got called. Fucking helicopters were out. She tripped over something getting out of the woods on the other side and had gone back to my house. Oh. Completely innocent. But as like a 14, 15 year old kid, your brain immediately goes, they've killed her. That's it. They're, they're, they're killers. Like she's been murdered in the woods. I like, call the police, do this, do this, do this. And like, because I've kind of been in that situation where as a kid, my brain ran away with like, because I can guarantee you if someone's like, oh, there was a killer, like there was a murderer, like where we like in, in the city, which is a big place mm -hmm. where I grew up, like I can think of at least four people on my road I would have suspected of being the killer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, no evidence for it. But, like, my brain immediately would have gone, I know who it is. I know who it is, guys. I've got a plan. And I think that's the point of the film, is it's not really about the serial killing so much. Like, that's the, the kick-off point for the film. Mm. But it's about the wild places your brain goes when you're a child. I do like they do pay it off with, like, the kids being right, because more often than not, as a, ch as a child, you were not correct. If the Staced story tells you anything... But I think that is the point of this film. It's like what a child's brain will convince itself of. So I, I get what you're saying about it being a very lazy plot with the serial killer, but I don't think the serial killer is actually all that important to the plot, apart from the one scene to prove that there is in fact actually a serial killer. Mm. I don't think the serial killer is actually that important. It is just the kind of through line to make the rest of the plot make sense. Mm. See, I I didn't actually think... like I think it's because <clears throat> when I was watching this, I was thinking about the black phone quite a lot. Because yeah. like, this film felt more like the black phone than it did Stranger Things. And like obviously, spoilers for the next couple of minutes if you guys haven't seen the black phone, maybe just skip ahead a little bit. But like obviously, with the story with the black phone, with the grabber, and what he's doing with the, the kids, obviously... You find out about, what, an hour into that film? That he lives with his brother. And there's two houses that are, like, identical to each other. That are, like, across the street from each other. And, like, they think that the kids are in one house. But then it turns out that they're actually in the other house. Yes. And, they, so and he's trying to set his brother up as, like, the fall guy, isn't he, as well? I don't think he's even planning on setting his brother up. I don't think that that's part of the plot. Or his brother just... gets caught. His I brother, can't remember. His brother's investigating it, in yeah. fact. Yeah, his, bro his brother is investigating the grabber situation, isn't he? Mm. Like, completely oblivious to the fact that his brother is the grabber and yeah, the kids are, like, underneath. Yeah, because his brother's staying with yeah, him at the time. Yeah, yeah. So and like, his bro the brother is staying with the grabber, not realising yeah. that he's the grabber, yeah. And that was kind of, like, the whole thing that kind of made me think about this was, like, that's a really interesting, like, thing because if he... Like, it's the whole idea that, like, if Ethan Hawke wasn't there at any point and the police raided that house and obviously, like, arrested his brother because they could find the kids under the thing and it's sort of the whole idea of, like, have they got the wrong person? Like, you know, all that sort of stuff. And that and that plays out so well and they play with, like, the idea of the yeah, two yeah, houses yeah. and stuff. That's why when you see a film like this that isn't as competently written or isn't as interested in telling a kind of more multi-layered story, it's a... No, the the thing that they're telling you is probably the thing. Because even like even when you watch Rear Window or even when you watch Disturbia, like you know full well because 
fucking rear window is as old as time and everybody knows that twist the same I way. I don't know the so twist good. in rear window. I or can't like, remember it. Please don't ruin it for but me. But like, <laughs> you know, they, the, they set up the premise of like, he's probably right. The kid is probably right. This kid, this dude probably did like murder his wife. But the way that Hitchcock plays that movie and even the way that like in Disturbia they do it, like they make, they, they put enough like bits in there. They give the guy enough alibis or like, you know, to make you kind of think that isn't, whereas this movie, they don't ever give you like any red herrings, any other things for you to like investigate. Like even the parents don't like think like, any... Yeah, but parents don't. I know, because parents are shit. Well, I say parents are shit. It's like movie parents are shit. Yeah. But even like... like even standard parents, if I... Say you're 15 and there's a serial killer in the area you live in and you go, Mom, it's our next door fucking neighbour. Bro, I'm we live in Portsmouth. There likely is. Probably. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, you're going, it's our next door neighbour. Your mum is going to go, no, it's not. We have tea every Tuesday. We go fishing together. Well, I not don't, fishing. I but... don't know, man. My mum is a very suspicious person. Yeah, mom, mom, but my mum would be like, no, don't be stupid. If I was like, Mum, your upstairs neighbour is definitely the killer you're looking at. Actually, no, she'd probably say anyway. <laughs> <laughs> she pays... The guy who's just bought the flat next door, who you adore, yeah, my mum yeah. is a big fan of his, he's definitely a serial killer. My mum would be like, no, he's not, Lee. You're being stupid. Yeah. Like, you're being ridiculous. And yeah. she'd probably take, make me go round and apologise mm. to him. Like, like the parents this. doing this. Because, especially if I was a kid at the time, parents are used <clears> to kids <throat> having overactive imaginations. And the likelihood of the serial killer being your next door neighbour is mm. thin on the ground. Yeah. Especially when they're like a pillar of the community and a police officer. Like, he's the least suspicious person. I don't know, man. He is a police officer in America. But you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he's like, yeah, like, one of the one of the parents, one of the kids' dads goes fishing with him. Mm-hmm. One of the other parents has drinks with him. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, he's a pillar in that neighbourhood. So he's, no one's going to, sus- as, as with all serial killers, no one will suspect him. Yeah. Big up Stephen Wilkins. But... I can see, I can see, kind of from your point of view, but I think the issue with how you're viewing it is you're comparing it to Disturbia, to Rear Window, to The Black Phone, when all superior films. It's not <coughs> supposed to be any of those yeah. films. That, as I said, the the murder plot is like secondary to what is actually going on. It's not the important plot line. Which I think is kind of maybe missed by some people but then i also think that it fails as a coming of age like nostalgic 80s throwback see i didn't live through the 80s so i can't really comment on that (laughs) yeah but if you like if you go back and think about movies like goonies a film i do not like but i have seen you fucking hate the goonies or you watch a film like stand by me or you watch a film like even like the monster squad Mm -hmm. which i guess would be the most comparable to this. Yeah, I guess so. Out of those movies that I mentioned. Like, those kids all have, like, genuine friendships. Like, you watch those movies and you're like, yeah, these kids all definitely have known each other and they are going to know each other from womb to tomb. And, like, those relationships feel lived in. Like, there is not a single character in this movie where I'm like, yeah, you guys are definitely friends. Like, and I, th- I feel like it feels like you, you, you raised an excellent point. This movie has two writers and three directors. So that's five people's vision on a movie. Too many kicks in the kitchen, and definitely. it feels like they wanted to go, yeah, let's do like a nostalgic throwback to those Amblin movies that we love. But then also let's do something that's kind of like a bit Hitchcocky. And they just, 
it it feels like they they maybe overshot a little bit. I feel like their main issue, and I will agree with you, is I feel like the writers don't really remember what it was like to have a friendship group yeah. when you're that young. You've all grown up together. Like, don't get me wrong, you rip the shit out of each other. Mm. Perpetually. But there's a bond of being that age <coughs> and having grown up together, unless your friends are complete twats who betray you. Yeah. <laughs> that's a core cool memory. Um, but, like, there's people, even now, like, I'm fucking in my 30s, I haven't seen people I grew up with for a good... When was the last time I saw Beck? Beck, I saw Beck ten years ago. Mm. We are still friends. We don't talk, mm. but I know I could message her tomorrow and be like, oh, I need your help. And she'd be like, yeah, sure, what do you need? Like, yeah. Because there's something about growing up together. So me and Beck have been friends pr- literally since the womb. Womb to tomb, baby. Womb to tomb. Um, like, we have grown up together. Um, so, like, that's the kind of friendship I would expect of, like... You can you can be slightly more distant, but like there's always those little moments where you're like, oh no shit, yeah, these guys have known each other yeah. fucking forever, and they don't even reference anything. Like there's no moments where like they reference something. It feels more like a group of kids in like their early twenties, mid twenties. You know, like the bro friendships you get. You yeah. get slightly older who are always making jokes about fucking your mum getting yeah. drunk like, see those are the friendships the way they talk feels more like a friendship at yeah. that age than a close friendship where you've been friends for so long at like 14 15 yeah. see i didn't really have any friends when i was a teenager and i certainly didn't have any when i left school and so all the friends that i have now like there are people that i knew from like the age of 17 that i'm still friends with now that i've been friends with for 20 years so i i have like more friendships now and long-standing friendships than I did when I was a kid. So when you said to me about this, I was like, I I don't really remember what it was like to be 15 years old. And I, don't, I certainly don't remember what it was like to have friends at 15 mm. because I fucking didn't. But there's nothing about these kids. And like, I think, I think the main thing for me is like the way that they don't, they never ever feel like they are invested in what they're doing. Which I think is when you're when you put like the focus on a group of kids or teenagers or whatever it is, like everybody has to feel invested. Like it goes back to the simplest form of storytelling. You look at Scooby Doo. Like you look at the four members of Mystery Inc. and then you look at Scooby. Like does Shaggy always want to be there? Probably not. Scooby definitely doesn't always want to be there. But they all are united in what they're doing, and they all have a part to play in what is going on. And when the shit goes down, they all support each other. Whereas in this, it never really felt like the kids... Like, I'm I'm sure one of them says it at some point. They were like, oh, yeah, we were just kind of going along because, like, you know, it felt like something to do kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm like, you're fucking investigating a murder, like, like a murder mystery. You're like, you should be way more, like, supportive of each other and more, like, ride or die for each uh, yeah. other than it comes across in this movie. I, I don't... See, the thing is, it's really hard for me to talk on because, like, when I when I think about my, my friendships at the age of, like, 14, 15, it was a group of girls. Oh. Girl friendships and boy friendships are very different. Facts. But, like, I don't think we ever (coughs) investigated a murder. But, like, we would ride or die for our bitches. Like, ten out of ten. One of them went, I'm doing something. We're, like, we're there. Yeah. What do you need? Like, it's fine. You need someone to crash afterwards. You need us to come play backup. Like, even now, I feel like girl friendships are very different. Like, I'm in my 30s now. Mm -hmm. And I have three very, like, quite close girlfriends. 
and Nick who's been on the podcast and there's Rosie and Jess um, and like literally I had a joke the other day saying my friend Rosie's dating and we like full blown have got a plot in place of like when she starts dating again of like we're having a group chat we have an agreement on like who's finding her body if she gets that's murdered that's really sad that's really dark that you guys have to have that conversation as well but the thing is part of it's joking but part of it is quite serious because dating as a woman is terrifying I mean Ros is quite fighty but she's also a tiny mm. human being um, but like, do you know what I mean? Like we, like f- I would literally hunt down a killer if anything happened to Roz. Yeah. Full blown, I am in. And it's like, it's like even the little character beats in this. Like we find out at some point that Judah Lewis's character has had run-ins with the law before. Why does that not pl- come into play more of his motivation of not wanting to get involved? Like he, his, his motivation is like, oh, I can't be bothered anymore. Like I'm not really, like. Their motivation should have been, look, man, I've been in trouble with the law before. Like, I cannot get too close to this. I cannot risk. The thing is, though, is I feel like you're looking at it from a more adult point of view. He's a 15-year-old dumbass kid from an abusive family with an asshole older brother. Mm -hmm. His view is like, well, they can't fucking do anything to me. Like, more than likely, his running from the law is like he got caught smoking or drinking underage or, like, trying to nick sweets from the shop. Like, it's not a scary thing. Like... Because he even jokes with the police officer. Because the police officer's like, why am I surprised? not surprised you're here. And he's like, officer. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, when you're investigating, like, a potential police officer for, like, a murder investigation, and then they bring up the fact that he has priors with the police officers in the thing, that should have been more of, like, his character. That should have been more part of the story. Like, yeah, okay, he's a fucking teenager. But at the same time, you know, he knows, oh... In the back of his head, he's like, I have priors. Like, if this guy catches me, like, he could put me away for something that wouldn't. I haven't done. At 15, you Mate. don't think like that. For, especially in the 80s. 14, 15-year-old, that's not a thought that fucking Mate, crosses there your are head. plenty of movies where stuff like that comes up, though. Well, sure, but... Oh, honestly, at 14, 15, even, like, in the, what, early 2000s, that wasn't a thought that crossed, ever crossed my mind. Like, I can't do that, because, like, what if the police find out? Yeah, that's probably because you never had any priors. Like you can't drop in, you can't drop in a piece of dialogue about him having like priors of the police, but the thing and then is, not pay it off. But the thing is, is we don't know why the police know who he is. More than likely, it's because they've been called out to his family's house yeah. on domestic. Calls. Yeah, maybe. But like that's all part of his character that should play a part in the reason why he does or does not want to investigate a police officer for murder. Sure. I won't argue with you if that's how you feel about it. That's fine. I mean, I, I just think you're looking too deeply for things to complain about. I think this movie is just supposed to be like a kind of. I don't want things to complain summer, about. That's the problem. Like though. A, a summer <laughs> that like it's like your last real big summer together, and like you do something stupid. Like it's just something to do for the summer you're off school. Like I don't know, man. I was negative one when this film was set. It is crazy to think, though, that this movie... I Actually, that is one thing I will say. I will give the movie some credit. I thought it made the 80s look good. It, it did. I'll let you have that. It made the 80s look very good. Like It's rare we come to a movie where like, I'm legitimately like defensive of it. Thing is, is, I don't even think this is a great movie, but I think it's getting a lot... I think you're giving it a lot of flack when it doesn't really deserve that much flack. It feels like you're nitpicking, which I know I can't say because I will nitpick a lot when I don't like a film. 
Like, I will say, it did feel like an 80s film. Like, if somebody handed me a copy of this on VHS and went, bro, this movie came out in, like, 1985, I'd be like, yeah, sure, I believe you. Like, that was one good thing. I thought they captured the tone of, like, it being an 80s film very well. Yeah, it's still, the direction is really good. Yeah. Like, consi- like, I would like to know how it was directed. Like, I'd like to know the logistics of a three-person directing team. Because you said that, didn't you, when we were watching it? Because, like, I know the logistics of how a two-person directing team works. Because, you know, I've watched interviews of the Coen brothers and Radio Silence and the Philippal brothers and etc. So I know how that works. But I'd, lo- I'd be fascinated to know, like, the machination of how a <coughs> three-person directing team works. Because mm. it seems like it would be very... Uh, Too many chefs, very small kitchen. Very, very, like, tripping over each other kind of situation. Mm. Um before we wrap this up, what did you think of the performance in this, in this movie? Do you know what? I liked all of the children. I say children. They were like, we figured it out. Wait, one of them they? was 25. One of them was 25. <laughs> one of them was a legit the adult. others were all 17-ish. <clears throat> yeah, because this was after the babysitter, wasn't it? Judah Lewis had done the babysitter this, and then I think he did the babysitter Killer Queen. So it's 2017, yeah. 2018, 2019. Yeah, I think you're right. Um... Yeah, so one of the guys is the guy who plays the big lad. What is his name? It's just a Faraday. Me. No, Woody. Mm-hmm. Faraday's the one with the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses. Wait, 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 wait. The drummer from Bastille's in this movie. Yes, the drummer from Bastille is. Um... <clears throat> He's the older one. So he, at the time of filming, was about 25. And they do make a joke about it because when they steal the car and he's like, oh, I'm really worried, literally one of the kids goes, I wouldn't worry about it too much. You look like you're 30 anyway. Yeah, it's, it's Judah Lewis goes, you look uh, Yeah, and then the rest of the kids, so uh, Graham, Judah and Corey were all kind of like 16, 17. So they were like relatively close <coughs> in age to the characters they were playing. Uh, but the three kids, so uh, Corey, Judah and Graham are actually already quite good. I mean, I like uh, Judah Lewis anyway. I think he's a really good actor. I really like him in the Babysitter movies. I haven't seen him in anything else. I don't think he's really done anything else. He must have. I don't know, man. He's got that streaming money. <laughs> uh, no, he hasn't, really. He plays at Young Utah in Point Break. Oh, for fuck. The remake <laughs> the of Point Break. The 2015 one, yeah. That's gross. Uh, he's also apparently in the Christmas Chronicles. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know who plays um, you know who plays Johnny Utah in the Point Break remake? No. It's fucking Luke Bracey from The Holiday. Oh my god. Wait, so he plays young, young Luke Bracey? Yeah. And you know, because you know Luke Bracey's in that other movie of Emma Roberts. Yeah. Well, but he also plays Cobra Commander in the second G.I. Joe movie. Because huh. obviously, in spoilers if you haven't seen the first G.I. Joe, obviously Cobra Commander in the first one is played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt and then Luke Bracey takes over in the second one. He's not a great actor, but I love The Holiday. The Holiday's great. I can kind of see it, though. He does kind of look a bit like Luke Bracey, I guess. Yeah, he did a film with uh, Andy Babs, by the way. Oh, did he? Yeah, uh, called Suitable Flesh. Oh, yeah, that's not out yet. It's directed by Joe Lynch. Oh, is it? It's due um, to come out. It's got Heather Graham in it yeah, as well. Yeah, it's made by Joe Lynch, who made Mayhem. Oh, uh, based on a book by H.P. Lovecraft. Yeah, it's not come out yet. It's um, having um, some festival screenings and stuff. I think... I, I don't know if it's due out in this country over here yet, because... There's a bunch of movies we're not getting at the moment. Like, Last Voyage of the Demeter is still not out over here yet. Mm. Um, well, he has that to come out with. Yeah, that looks really good, actually. Um, but that's like, his next film mm-hmm. after he did Christmas Chronicles Part 2. For fuck's sake. 
Um, but like, I really like him. I think he's quite good. Um, all of the, the the two other kids are really quite good. I like the girl who played the babysitter. Mm-hmm. I can't what her character was called now. It's gone. Hashtag not tomorrow even. Not tomorrow even. Um, I quite like the guy who played Maggie. <coughs> yeah. Because I like, I feel like he was just the right level of like, oh, he's just a local cop, and. Actually, you do seem like you could be quite intimidating. There's a great moment, actually, for him when all the kids are playing out on the street, like the younger kids. And he's watching with the beer. And he's watching with the beer. And he's like, oh, who wants an ice lolly? And they all run up and get, like, the ice pops. And they come back. And then as they're all running away, his entire face just darkens. Mm -hmm. And it's a great shot. Because it's kind of a little bit like, oh, shit, are you scary? Or, like, oh, shit, has something happened Mm -hmm. in your life that has made you a bit, like... Oh, that was, like, really hard for me to deal with. The guy who's not Teddy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, the guy who's not Teddy from he Brooklyn nine He was in... Uh, I realised where I'd seen him before. He's in uh, Ugly Betty. Yeah. I think he's one of the guys who dates Ugly Betty what? for a little bit. That show rules. Uh, interesting enough, though, his character uh, does take inspiration from quite a few real-life serial killers. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, Richard Ramirez, probably. Uh, no, one of them was quite obviously uh, John Wayne Gacy. Yeah, obviously. In fact, one of the vil- victims that the, then the photographs are shown of all of the victims, one of those is actually one of John Wayne Gacy's victims. Oh, for fuck's sake. I don't know which one, but I just, it, was, it was a fact on the <laughs> um, IMDb page for it. Was it an actual police picture, or was it... I think it was just like a... Reproduction. Well, no, because he's not got, like, actual crime scene photos. It's, like, just, like, I think one of the framed photos he's got on his wall of, like, oh, all of his previous that's, victims. That's gross. Yeah. Um, obviously, there's, like, a reference to Jeffrey Dahmer in here. The Beetle that he drives, that car is a reference. I don't remember which one it is. Ted that, Bundy. Is that Bundy? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, is a direct reference to Bundy. Like, there's a few references to, like, IRL serial killers in this. Yeah. Which, like, part of me is, like, that's quite an interesting choice. And another part of me is, like, I don't know how comfortable I am mm-hmm. with that. Um... But no, I think the cast was quite good with like what they had to work with. But yeah, for me, the star of the show is Judah, just because I really, I do honestly really fucking love that kid. I think he's great. Judah, Judah. And it's rare that I will take to any kind of child actor, because normally I find them endlessly fucking annoying. Although, saying that, there have been a couple <coughs> of kid actors in movies recently that I liked. I liked McKenna Grace in Ghostbusters Afterlife. Yeah, but McKenna Grace is great in everything. I like Nell Fisher from Evil Dead Rise. I think she fucking rules in Evil Dead Rise. The little kid in Black Phone was very good. I think I praised him when... The Neil. little girl from the Black Phone. Both of them are great. <coughs> Who I got confused with the little girl from Psycho Goreman because they look and sound the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the little girl from Psycho Goreman is fucking rad. She is so funny. You can fuck right off. Like I think, well, yeah, I think even when we did the episode for it, you were complaining about how annoying she is. And then I rewatched the movie and I was like, actually, she's yeah. Because I think I was defending her throughout the entire episode. Like, she's <laughs> so annoying. I like the. I can't remember her name. Uh, Mal. Mal- Maleficent? No, it's not Maleficent. Malison, is it? Malicent, the girl from uh, Quiet Place, the deaf one. Oh, she's great. I, I she's do not know what her name her is. Her brother's a dickhead, though. Her brother's fucking annoying as shit. I hate him. But, like, she's really fucking We good. have had, though, because, like, as a general rule, I don't like child actors. I mm-hmm. Especially, like, a lot of films I watch with child actors, I tend to find them endlessly annoying. But Especially we've had a movies. really good run recently of, like, really great child actors <coughs> coming out. Yeah. I like the kid who's in fucking um, Doctor Sleep. Oh, Jacob Tremblay. Jacob Tremblay's fucking who's amazing. Who's not a kid anymore. Well, no, he's not anymore, but like, yeah. he, I saw he him... started out as a child actor. He's fucking amazing. Bro, I saw him doing press for The Little Mermaid the other day, and I was like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> he's like taller than Aquafina now. 
was and like, freaking so because they had him and Aquafina paired up doing the like press because yeah. obviously they played. I think they the did him and David Diggs for a few yeah. interviews as well, which is an amazing duo. Because they were like, it's the bird, the fish, and the crab. Mm. Like, let's let's get them all together. Get them all together. But yeah, he's fucking great in Doctor Sleep. Actually, like his scene is really, really yeah. fucking good. So we have had like a really good run of child actors, but yeah, I do. Uh, all three of the children in this are actually really fucking good. Mm. I say that like they're not grown ups now; they're all in their twenties. But like they were kids when this was made. And don't forget kids Joey King in The Conjuring as well. Yeah. She's fucking great in The Conjuring. That movie's ten years old now. You're Jesus welcome. Fucking Christ. <laughs> I've watched her in something not long ago. Yeah, Bullet Train. No, something else. The Princess. Oh yeah, and because uh, the two things I've seen in recently are Bullet Train and that Taylor Swift video. Yeah, she was it called The Princess. Something like that. Yeah. It's on Disney Plus, I know that. She's quite good in that, and she's in uh, Kissing Booth as well, which was a waste of my time that I'm never getting back. So that was fun. Yeah. Right, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, I, do you know what? I don't think it was a bad film. I think I think it could have been a far better film. Uh, I think there is enough in this that you're like, there were certain things you could have filled out more, like the kids' backstories, how their <clears throat> friendship actually was, because I don't think it was a good representation of friendship at that age. But again, this is coming at a, from a girl's point of view. Boys' friendships at 15 might be like that. I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. um, I think the 80s looks really good in this. Like They did a really good job of making it look like it was A, filmed and B, actually set in the 80s. Uh, there's a few bits that like I think there's a few goofs Yeah. in regards to like the time frames. <clears throat> I think also they don't beat you over the head with it like a lot of things do. Like, oh, hey, look at these clothes these specific clothes all these posters on the wall all these vhs's on the wall all these like very yeah. specific easter eggs like yeah they which don't I really love. do that although they did there is the fucking game i can't what it was called plebeus plebeus which is a fucking oregon specific urban legend yeah uh about a video game which i thought was hilarious that they snuck that in there which is literally from like 83 the urban legend started mm-hmm. um yeah, but overall, I think it's quite a good film. I don't think it's a horror movie. No. The fact that everywhere says it's a horror film, I think, is outright bullshit. But I also do feel like that's because I watch a lot of crime shows day to day anyway. I listen to a lot of murder podcasts and stuff like that. So things like that, I'm just like, well, no, this is just a, this is just a film. Mm. This is day to day content. Um, overall, I'm probably I'm going to give it a three. I think it could have been better. I think it could have been far worse. <clears throat> Uh, but yeah, I think it's a it's an alright film. I'd probably chuck it on in the background if I had nothing else better to watch. <clears throat> yeah, I I wasn't sold on it. I I think <clears throat> I think if I'm being honest, there there is a fine line when it comes to doing nostalgia. Uh I think Stranger Things goes way too far in the other direction. And I just think that, like, the Duffer brothers spend a lot of time in dark rooms jacking off to, like, 80s stuff. Fucking whereas, whereas I think this movie does a very good job of, like, visually emulating the 80s. But I just don't think that the story was interesting enough. It feels like, to me, that... And this is going to be a very topical reference. It feels like, to me, that they took a bunch of buzzwords from the 80s movies fed them into an AI and then asked the AI to write a script that would feel like an 80s movie. Mm. And then the, basically the AI got halfway through writing it and then crashed. And then they just went, oh, well, I guess we'll just work with what we've got. Because it feels like a very incomplete film. And it does 
in some aspects feel like style over substance and they try to lean into the nostalgia without actually giving you a full movie. Um, however, the performances are quite good. The movie feels like a lost 80s movie, which I can't really fault. Um, and I did like the end. The last 10, 15 minutes is great. I also like the fact that for a change, it actually ends on an ambiguous note. The killer gets away. Like, we know who he is, but he is now on the loose. And, like, if they never make a sequel to this, knowing that he got away and the final things that he says to Davy is actually quite intense and it is actually quite a terrifying note to end a film like this on. Mm -hmm. Like, the idea of a serial killer being on the loose and, as a child, knowing that you are on his shit list because you tried to bring him down and having to look over your shoulder is quite a ballsy way to end this movie. And if I remember correctly, it was the ending that sold RKSS on making this movie. Yeah. Um, so for that, I will give it praise because it's very rare that they will end these movies on an ending yeah, like that. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the end of this film because it is a pretty pretty ballsy ending, yeah. to be fair. And it, like, kind of from where it starts of like the reveal that he is, in fact, the killer through to the end of the film, so like the last 20 minutes of it, mm-hmm. is fucking ballsy. Yeah. It's great, and it's this sequence where the egg door opens, mate. He kills two of the kids as well, doesn't he? One of them. One of them. He kills. Uh, Woody. Yeah, because I can't remember. Because like, you see the one with the glasses at the end, but you don't see Judah Lewis's character. Yeah, you do. Oh, he, do you? he cycles past him. Oh, okay. It's Faraday and um, Eats are like pulling stuff out of oh, his house. I thought that was the other guy. No. I thought it was the kid who was like hosing the thing at the front at the beginning. No, of the Kyle's film. not there. Oh, yeah. So yeah, I think I think the ending like the ending the ending is worth sitting through the movie just for that. But like I didn't think it was a great movie. I'd probably give it like a two and a half. I do think a lot of it is style over substance and I, I am if I'm being completely honest, like as a child of the eighties and as someone who grew up with eighties horror movies and nineties horror movies, I am a little bit sick of this generation just trying to like nostalgize and weaponize nostalgia and just keep making throwbacks thing is is i feel like part of it is especially like because i'm pretty sure all of the people all of like rkss or whatever they're called are all like old enough that they grew up in the 80s like i do feel like a lot of films that are being made like say in the 80s now are by people who grew up in the 80s who are kind of nostalgic for that time period yeah i just i'm just a bit sick of like music going through it tv shows films everything being like wasn't the 80s great? Wasn't the 90s great? Wait, like, yeah, wait until we hit the time period where they're like, wasn't the early 2000s yeah, great? And like, I'm just, a, I'm just a little bit, as someone who lived through it, like the whole new metal revival, I'm like, yeah, new metal's really fucking popular now. You cunts were bullying me for liking it 20 years ago. Like, fuck you guys. Like, I'm really just sick of everything that like people grew up with and people was cool for a certain generation now being recycled for content or like... Yeah, but it's the same as everything. Yeah. It happens constantly. I'm just, I'm just a grumpy old man yelling at a cloud. Yeah, bro. you are. But anyway, that's our thoughts on Summer of 84. Have you guys seen it? If you have, did you like it? Did you not like it? Um, once again, thank you guys for your continued support. As always, you can find us on social media, S-I-M-A-H-F-Pod on Twitter, so I'm out of horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr. Um... We will be back on Monday with a look at the horror anthology Double X. And uh, yeah, we will see you then. Stay spooky, stay safe. Take care, guys. Goodbye. Bye.